0: Welcome back to the Para Sports Nutrition Podcast. My name is Liz Broad and I'm an accredited sports dietitian. Today, it's my great pleasure to introduce to you Oliver Lamb Watson. Oliver is a wheelchair fencer and he won a couple of medals, a bronze and a silver in Tokyo at his first Paralympic Games. So welcome to the podcast, Oliver.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here.
0: Oh, it's great to be able to chat with you. We haven't had a fencer on before, so you are breaking new ground.
1: (laughs) I'm happy to, yeah, I'm happy to be the first.
0: (laughs) Great. Oliver, can you tell us a bit about your background, your impairment, and how you got into wheelchair fencing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I guess my background is, yeah, slightly unusual. Actually, I I, I never liked sport as a kid, to be honest with you. I I was never very sporty. Um, I always kind of avoided it. I was the guy who would always get lunch, uh, you know, doctor's notes uh, to, <laughs> to miss the gym and cross, cross country and sports day. Yeah. Um, I found my disability was always something that separated me from all the other kids as, as, a, as, as, a, as a young person and uh, highlighted my differences. Um, and you know, on, on that, just a bit of background on my disability, uh, I was born with a, um, a venous malformation in my left leg. Which basically meant that a lot of blood would go to my left leg, and it would get very swollen, very painful, and mm. um, and around the age of about nine, I went on forearm crutches, and so I, I've been using them ever since now. So it's been twenty odd years, and yeah. But my transition to sport was an interesting one. After I finished studying architecture at university, I basically had to make the decision whether or not to amputate my leg and long story short it was very risky there was a huge risk to it so I decided not to Mm -hmm. Um, and my doctor told me at the time I remember he was like you know whether you amputate it or not it's always going to be very swollen very painful you're never going to be an athlete you're never going to run a walk again normally and so I kind of thought oh god you know I just finished my architecture degree and I thought I would never had any ambitions of being an, an athlete but I thought like gosh like you know why not? Like what what does that look like? What does what does um life on crutches look like? What does life living with a disability and being a young person with a disability look like? Because it's not very well documented and it's not something that there's no handbook for being young and disabled. So mm-hmm. I, I went like I went about this on this this path of self discovery. I just started off in the gym and signed up to a local one. Started running. And I found out I could run. I could I could lift a few weights and. Then I went into obstacle course racing, and there was no real after a, I'd done a few. There were no real challenges anymore because you kind of you turn up, you, you finish, you you get a medal. Hmm. And so I, I I googled sports. I googled Paralympic sports. I went through all the sports on the list, and I found wheelchair fencing. And I thought, gosh, okay. Uh, I always like I liked sp- uh, swords as a kid. Yeah. So uh, let me give this a go. And I, I, I jumped straight into it, and then I, I looked at one of my my watch, and it was it was two years until the Paralympic Games and I thought, God, uh, that'd be cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me see if I can qualify for the Games in in the quickest time ever. Um, (laughs) And yeah, and... and and fast forward to a couple of years and, and here I am.
0: <laughs> and so you did qualify for your first Paralympic <laughs> Games in the shortest possible time ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was a wild journey.
0: Yeah, ah. and it continues. So can you tell us a little bit about what wheelchair fencing is? Now, you won medals in two different disciplines, EPI and FOIL. Yes. So can you describe what's the difference between them what does wheelchair fencing look like? Like, just give us yes. a, a uh,
1: brief wheelchair
0: fencing for dummies overview.
1: Yes, yes. I, I'm going to do my best. I gesticulate a lot, but I realize this is an audio podcast. So I'm going to try and describe it as well as I can. So imagine mm-hmm. there's you sit in a wheelchair that, that all the athletes, whether or not they use wheelchairs day to day, everyone uses a fencing wheelchair. It's mm-hmm. similar to basketball, to wheelchair basketball rather the wheelchairs are then locked into a frame Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and the frame is then separated by a bar so the distance between the two fences in the wheelchairs the angle is set and regulated and the distance between them is is basically changed on basically on the length of the shortest fencer Mm -hmm. so you basically stick out your arm and you basically see if you can reach the other person with your sword the movement then is kind of created from the torso back and forwards, whereas in able-bodied, obviously, they would use their legs to move backwards and forwards. We use our torsos and we lean as if you're sat in a chair and you're sort of reaching for a, a cup of coffee on the mm-hmm. on the other side of the table kind of thing. And so that's the general setup of wheelchair fencing. Um, so the wheelchairs don't move around and the yep. frames are basically to lock in the distance but also make sure that we don't fall out of the wheelchairs because we're really throwing ourselves around in these chairs. Mm-hmm. I guess then the the second part would be actually fencing because a lot of people don't know too much about fencing in able-bodied fencing and in wheelchair there are three weapons yep the first being foil Mm -hmm. the second being epay and the third being saber and they differ for various reasons but i'll I'll take you through very briefly on what they are epay is basically a a weapon whereby you have to hit with the tip a little button on the end of the sword when you hit the other person your light comes on
2: mm-hmm.
1: so you have to hit with the tip and you can hit anywhere on the body. you can hit in the mask you can hit on the foot you can hit on the hand mm. everywhere is a target. yep the, the second one uh, foil which is again it's a it's a pointed weapon so you have to hit with the tip. there is a button on the end. however you can only hit on the torso wow. and so the fences we wear a metal lame we call it, which is like a metal sort of jacket mm-hmm. that is conductive. So when the button is compressed on the metal jacket, a colored light turns up. Uh-huh. Whereas when it's compressed on, for example, if you were to hit on the foot, it would be off target. And because it's not conductive, the foot, or the you know anything other than the jacket, it would come up as a white light. So it, it would be no point. Mm-hmm. Another thing to mention with foil is that it's, it's a weapon with right of way. It's the priority weapon, we call it which means that you have to initiate the attack. All right. So the best way to describe this without using my hands and, and gesticulating and kind of uh, being visual about it is that it's like a conversation. Right. So I get to say, hello, uh-huh. and you get to say, hi. And then I say, how are you? So you take turns and you're not necessarily, so if it's my turn to speak, my turn to hit, then it will be my point if I hit. The only way in which you can score the point when it's my priority is by almost interrupting me mm. without being hit. So it's, uh, it's a bit of a confusing one, but once you, you get your head around it, the are kind of taking turns. It's like metronome, my turn, your turn. It gets quite a, It's quite an interesting addition to the weapon. And saber is also, which is the third weapon, is also a weapon of priority. So you must have the priority in order to hit. It must be your turn. However, the one big difference with saber is that you don't need to hit with the tip. So it's Rocked. not a button. On the to, you can you can slash with it. It's like a, a cavalry sword. It's a bit more like a, a swashbuckling pirate's weapon. You can kind of hit with anywhere on the on the on the blade and anywhere above the torso. So the mask and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can kind of slash the opponent, which is uh, very different from the four and an where you have to be quite precise and the it. Mm.
0: And when you so that's say
1: fencing in a nutshell,
0: uh huh. And when you say you have priority, like your it's your turn, do you get a time limit by which you have to have made your hit?
1: You don't get a time limit. It's more of a sort of fencing time. So as lot the, the the definition of of the priority is if you have started an attack, mm-hmm. and the definition of an attack is I am progressing forwards with the body and the arm. And I'm threatening a target. Mm-hmm. So as long as I'm coming forwards towards you with my sword and my body and I don't stop, it's still my attack. Right. The only ways in which you can take the attack away from me or I lose the attack is by or is the end of my turn, so to say, is if I stop and then I if I stop, my attack is finished. Yep. Or if I try and hit you and I miss, again, my, my attack has finished yeah or if you hit my blade so if I come forward with my blade and it's within your reach and you you we call it a beat yeah if you if you take my blade or you parry my attack in any sort of blade contact it's now your attack you've taken the the priority away from me
0: okay uh-huh and this all happens in in pretty quick time doesn't it
1: Oh yeah, it's super quick. I, I saw my my teammate. In fact, he's very good, and he he beat a guy five points in two seconds on the clock. Because it's uh, the, the way the clock works is it's it's literally like a, a countdown timer. So mm-hmm. if you unguard prelay and you make the hits immediately, it's it's kind of it's 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 zero point zero something seconds. Mm. So I saw him do a five point match, five hits in two seconds on the clock which is crazy. Um, It's very quick yeah it's very very fast it's a great thing to watch actually if you've never seen para fencing I definitely recommend going checking out just google it wheelchair fencing para fencing look at some of the kind of the videos from Tokyo from from Rio from the Olympics from the World Cups it's it's quite a thing to behold.
0: Mm, Wow and so what do you think are some of the biggest Physiological demands of wheelchair fencing, like for you, is it something that your heart rate gets pretty high and is like a sprint, or is it more an endurance type of event because it it you have to compete over a an extended period multiple times? Is it is it more a skill based thing where you have to concentrate a lot?
1: It's a really good question. It's kind of a little bit of a mix of both, all of them, to be honest with you. So you need to concentrate very much on the tactics. And you need to be very much in terms of you need to be very aware of what's happening, what you're going to do, what are your tactics, what is the distance, what is the timing, how are you going to play this? The se- the second part to thats that is that it is, it, you know, it depends on the weapon. But Epe, for example, where the distance is a little bit longer, it's about three inches longer than the other weapons. It can be a bit of a marathon. It can be a bit of a war of attrition. The games can go on for nine minutes. Uh, we fence in three periods Mm -hmm. of three minutes Mm -hmm. and it can really go on like you know especially in the team events as well you it's it's a it's it's a bit of a marathon in that sense Mm -hmm. whereas the other weapons saber and foil with saber for that with saber they don't actually use the time because it's so quick there's no there's no point they just take a break at eight points right and foil it's very fast as well so you have this mixture of on the forearm there's this you know you having to make really precise movements over and over with, with, with the blade and the tip and the, the fingers and the forearm are absolutely burning after a while mm. and it's this kind of endurance of, and precision of forearm and fingers whereas the body then and the left arm are basically throwing you forwards and backwards to basically attack your opponent to lunge and to go back to make your opponent miss mm. and so that is very intense on, on the core, on the body. I'm a category A, which basically means I have full core control. I'm using my legs as well. I'm pushing backwards through the foot plate of the wheelchair. I'm pushing down to get get power out of the lunge. And so it's a really full body intensity, to, to be honest, in different mm-hmm. ways. There's explosivity. There's, you know, there's a lot going on. So it's physically very demanding. And, and regarding my heart rate, I, I mean, I measured it on Monday in training. We had a very intense session and this is the first time I've actually managed to get it quite similar to world cups but Mm -hmm. it was a I measured in at 197
0: oh right uh, wow crazy yeah yeah Yeah. that's nuts and so talk about the classification a little bit what are the classes that can compete and and what are the I guess the inclusion what types of impairments are actually allowed to compete in wheelchair fencing
1: good question so there's 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 a variety of of impairments allowed to compete. And I think overall it's very difficult because each person is classified individually, but you have to basically reach a, uh, there's a point system regarding your disability and you have to reach a minimum level of disability. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if you know anyone's listening to this and they're out there and they want to go check it out, I'd, I'd really recommend just going, speaking to your local federation and asking whether or not you can speak to a classifier. Mm-hmm. And so uh, usually it's with a lower limb or upper limb disability and there are three categories yep the first being category a like myself which is I've got a lower limb disability I have full you know trunk control Mm -hmm. and I can move in and out um, with my with my body and with my core the second category is category b these are slightly more disabled and they have a a lack of core control so uh, these are usually spinal cord injuries and the classifiers will test that and so these are usually kind of more so wheelchair users, people who are a little bit more affected who, who, who can't sort of balance on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third one is is category C. This is not the Paralympics category C, but we do have it at Worlds and European Champs and, World, and at some World Cups. Right. Category C is whether you have a, a, a disability regarding both of your hands, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's basically double upper limb, so basically whether you have trouble holding and gripping the sword as well as core difficulties as well. So, right. There are um, there are three categories overall.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, and so what does your training look like? Obviously, you have to spend a certain amount of time actually training in the fencing arena, but do yeah. you supplement that with strength work, with other fitness sort of work? Like, what what would a typical week look like for you?
1: That's a good question. I, I guess. Gosh, yeah, we, we, we are all over the place. We do a lot. A typical I mean there's no typical week, but I I guess let's let's start off by saying we we do fencing sessions, we 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 do fencing sparring with our with each other, with our teammates, we do exercises, pairs exercises, we do uh lessons from our coaches
2: mm-hmm.
1: in a sort of style where they'll they'll kind of coach us on on specific tactics, techniques, movements. We'll then have cardio. Mm-hmm we'll do that well you know depending on your disabilities sometimes I run some people use the rower some people use uh, the ski erg machine some mm-hmm. people push on the track with their wheelchairs whatever works for you and uh, we we do that regularly we also have strength training so mm-hmm. we're, we're in the gym doing our more power explosivity loading phases all of that so we kind of really um mix mix it up in that sense and then we we, we, we train a lot. Uh, we, we have a great program. We're based down in Bath in in the UK mm-hmm. and we uh, we train full-time there. So we're lottery funded mm-hmm. and, yeah, God, we, we, we train harder. Mm. I, we're having a loading week at the moment. My, my body uh, hates me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. And what about your nutrition? How do you kind of fit your food in around to support training? What would a typical day's food intake look like if, there is such a thing and how much have you changed that to support your training
1: that's yeah, a really good question i it's it's a really interesting thing for me my relationship with food has always been uh great and i, and I i'm so interested in cooking and food in general and I, I, in the past especially throughout my university career i really experimented with a lot of different you know style i, I don't i don't want to say diets i hate the word diet mm-hmm. i hate the word diet because it implies that you're going on a diet if you're on a diet so you're on a special diet it means you're going to come off of it at some point yeah. and i think these things are all about consistency and i think they're about what finding out what works for you so instead i'll say it, what ways of eating I, mm-hmm. I i experimented with a lot of different styles everything from you know intermittent fasting to from to keto to vegetarian i was a vegetarian for several years while being an athlete mm-hmm. And, you know, I I wanted to find out what was best for my body. And I think I'm a huge believer in what works for one person may not work for the other person. Mm -hmm. So I I don't think you can kind of preach these ideals. I think more so it's a a journey of exploration for the individual. I think it's so important to go out and find out what works for you and your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And food is a great question um i i I love the vegetarian diet Mm -hmm. i think it's amazing i I think it's it's so i feel i feel great my body feels great on it what i struggled with when i and i kept it up for quite a while when i was started training but what i found very difficult was to actually get the the amount of protein in that i needed and just a caveat to that because i know a lot of people say oh you know you're not going to get enough protein if you're vegetarian it's not the case. You totally mm. can. Yep. If you're organized. Yep. It just takes a bit more organization. You can't just slap a chicken breast in the oven or in the microwave and then just nail a load of protein. You have to think a little bit more. You have to food prep. Mm. Um, you have to be a bit more conscious. You know, you go to a cafe. We have a sports cafe at our, our university mm-hmm. and they have v- relatively healthy meat-based foods there. If you're a vegetarian though, you have a cheese sandwich or a baked mm. potato. So yeah. You're not getting the protein that you, you need from, from, from that very casual approach of I just buy something at the cafe. And so you have to be a bit more prepared. And to be very honest with you, I I struggled with that, with the amount of training to then be food prepping as well for mm. each meal. I, I struggled with that organization. And so I found that the vegetarian diet uh, in general was great for me. And my body loves it. And I was able to build muscle on it yep. and sustain myself. But I wasn't able to, almost be organized enough to sustain it while training it at such a high volume yeah. um, just purely time-wise I think it was mm-hmm. for me I also then experience, uh, you know trying the uh, keto diet it, reducing my carbs having very meat heavy you know diets again I found I just didn't really enjoy it too much mm-hmm. um, and more so the, the one that I, I find really interesting is not to go too off topic with this, but this will, will come into what I'm trying to say later, is, uh, with, is, is the intermittent fasting. Mm. Uh, I found that for me very, very good. And I found that it suited my lifestyle. I, I'm not someone who loves to have breakfast. I would always wake up early. I'm not hungry. I'd have to really force myself to have breakfast, especially when I was at university. And so I would have a coffee anyway. It would suit my lifestyle. I'd roll in to do lectures, etc. eat at 12, great. What I found is actually when I started fencing, because it requires so much mental energy, so much physical energy, Mm. all of that, I I found myself to be quite mentally fatigued very early on in the session when I first started. So I actually, I called, I said, look, this is something I love, but I I don't think it's sustainable for this lifestyle. Mm. And this is a great example of actually, it's not one size fits all. You need to find out what works for you and your body, but also what works for you, your body and your situation mm-hmm. and your lifestyle, so to say. So more so recently, what I've been doing is I, I just, I'm very bad with this. Um, I, my, <laughs> my philosophy to eating is eat whatever you like within reason.
0: Yep. everything. So it's else, a different way watching? of saying everything in moderation, isn't it?
1: Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I'm a huge believer in that because I I feel, I feel like I've got a great relationship with food. I love food my my, my girlfriend she's a food photographer and she she's really interested she's vegetarian as well she cooks mm-hmm. these amazing meals and you know I, I I really think that having whole foods having you know rather than taking supplements if it's possible, getting your nutrition from your your food from you know create if you're gonna make a sauce for a curry, make the sauce mm-hmm. use the spices. I think that's brilliant like the whole food fresh ingredients I love that stuff I think that is so so important in life and you know with, with what I was doing you know with, with the fencing you know I'd wake up I'd eat breakfast I'd have a reasonable lunch mm-hmm. and with my body uh, you know again with parasport it's very interesting how many calories you burn so because mm. I'm a single limb have a single limb disability or or they they say it's an imbalance yeah i burn almost 30 percent more calories than an able-bodied
2: person Mm. which is
1: very interesting yeah and so i'm finding my training this week i'm tracking my calories and again take this with a pinch of salt because i know these aren't necessarily really accurate but i i'm i'm burning last two days i burned 4,800 calories per day wow and yesterday about 3500 so what's really interesting is then you take someone in a wheelchair who's a spinal cord injury who does the same amount of training as me Mm. he'll burn much less calories than me because he doesn't have the use of the lower half of his muscles and body Mm. so it really has to be very personalized because i'm out here like eating everything like snacking eating you know and and i and you know and like i said everything in moderation I, i could afford to have calorie wise you know a pizza from you know an extra large cheese pizza every weekend I still (laughs) maintain my my body weight um, because of the amount of training that I do not that I I recommend doing that but again if you want to have a pizza for example I remember before we went to Tokyo uh, about two weeks out we 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 had all the boys over we were eating like absolute you know saints Mm. um, and we were training so hard and we, we said hey guys Let's just have a pizza. So we had a pizza night and a movie night. We had all the guys over. We had a big pizza night two weeks before we flew out to the games because we're a big believer in actually if that pizza, that, that movie night, that boys' night, we had our girlfriends there as well actually. It wasn't technically a boys' night. But that pizza <laughs> night rather was, uh, you know, brings a good morale. and makes you yes. feel good. Great. Because one pizza... You know, in the same way if I said to you, oh, I've had a salad today, I'm a healthy eater. Well, it's like, you're not. Mm. You're not a healthy eater because you've had one salad. Yeah. In the same way, you're not a bad eater because you've had one pizza. Yeah. And I think for me, everything's about moderation. So if I've had a pizza for lunch today, I'm not going to eat a pe- like a burger for dinner. Yeah. I'm probably not going to have a burger tomorrow either. I'm going to eat well because, uh, you know, i got to be honest to myself and realize that, you know what, maybe I'll have some yogurt for breakfast with some berries and some granola. Maybe I'll have a salad and some tofu and some some rice for lunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'll have some uh, quinoa for dinner with with uh, some other kind of uh, bits and bobs, some roasted vegetables and some tahini, for example, mm-hmm. um, and, and a chicken breast say. So I think it's all within moderation, and I'm a huge believer in in that consistency of food. Yeah. Because I, I what I I think is so I, I personally don't agree with is the idea of Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get really lean for summer. I'm gonna eat really well and eat salads and starve myself, and then I'm gonna eat like burgers randomly. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, for for winter, and I'm gonna binge eat. I, I think that's terrible. I think, you know, only I only eat when I'm hungry, and I yeah. know, like for example, some some of my coaches will bring in a, a cake at 11 a.m. for their birthday. And my teammates will say, oh, you know, you you want a cake? You <laughs> want some cake? And Rich Rich has bought in cake. And I said, like, no, it's 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 9 a.m i don't want to <laughs> oh, oh but it's here and i'm like no I, i'm fine yeah for me i i try to eat i listen to my body i try to eat when i'm hungry and yep. anyway because i, I bring, bring it back around to your question is recently i've actually i've started intermittent fasting again because mm. now i feel like i've my body's used to the load my mind is used to the the, the, the mental fatigue i'm able now to go back into the intermittent fasting and i and i and I, I now for this actually only in the past week which is interesting is i've been trying fasting from yes yeah, so from about 12 lunchtime till about 8 p.m is my eating window so i'll do the first session in the morning from from 9 till 11 fasted mm-hmm. and um and i i love it uh, uh, this week has gone very well although I, I i do struggle to get the amount of calories in like i said i'm burning four thousand. yeah that was going to be my question
0: is how how do you actually go about getting that many calories in, especially if you're eating when you're hungry because do you find that when you're in that heavy training that your appetite actually drops and and you're not as hungry?
1: Uh, Actually, funny enough, I I find that when I train, I'm very hungry. So Mm -hmm. I I, I guess it serves me quite well at the weekends because I don't train, I I don't reach for food as much. Mm -hmm. Um, I know a lot of people say have these issues where they say, oh, I've stopped training, I'm injured for a week. And I need to, and I'm going to get fat because, uh, or I'm going to put on weight because I'm going to eat the same as I used to eat because that's what I'm used to eating. Whereas mm. I find it totally the opposite? I'm, I'm very lucky that when I when I don't train, I don't I don't feel hungry as much. Um, and so, yeah, that is a great question in terms of how do I get the amount of calories in? It's very tough. So I've only experimented with this for a week mm. so far, and I'm not sure if it's going to be sustainable on running because if I'm having a massive calorie deficit for several weeks in a row. Yes. It's not going to be great for me. I'm going to be starting to, you know, my body's going to be start using up my muscles, and and that's not what I want. And, mm-hmm. and it's going to be starting to to burn lean mass. So I'm I've spoken to my nutritionist, and basically it's a question of can I have these high kind of high calorie foods, you know, peanut butter with my with my food, a bit of coconut milk, you know, whether or not I have a, you know dried fruit, mm-hmm. nuts, things yeah. like that to kind of supplement that. And really kind of allow me to reach my calorie goals while also sort of you know reaping the benefits of the the kind of the fast which Mm -hmm. i think is at the moment i i I do feel good from it um but it's something that i'll monitor and i'm not i don't like i won't be clinging on to this idea of oh i i like to fast because fasting is great even if it's detrimental for me for me i need to do what's best for my body yeah and if that means going back to eating normally breakfast lunch and dinner then, uh, then that's what I'll that's what I'll be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just about monitoring yourself and listening to your body. I think.
0: And so, speaking of monitoring yourself, what tools do you use in terms of looking at how well you're recovering and adapting to your training? Do you check your sleep, or do you do any heart rate monitoring? What sort of tools do you use?
1: Yeah, you know, if you ask any of my teammates, they tell you I'm really a real nerd when it comes to this kind of stuff. I absolutely. <laughs> loved like data <laughs> Yep. I, I I started off on a whoop we then changed to Garmin as a as a as a team mm-hmm. everyone changed to Garmin and now we're actually on Polar we've, we've landed on Polar heart rate monitors and I I, I bought myself a Polar watch so I mm-hmm. can track my sleep and so yeah I, I I'm fascinated with the kind of stuff actually to be honest with you my leg uh, hurts quite a lot I get a mm-hmm. lot of pain uh, chronic pain from it and I don't sleep very well because of it. I wake up maybe about 16-17 times a night mm. uh, and I, I every almost cu- a couple of uh, every half hour I wake up to turn over my leg gets very painful. And so in the last year or so I put a huge huge emphasis on sleep on mm-hmm. recovery uh, and on my sleep hygiene in fact. I think that that's so important. Uh, I lo- I, and I I I treat in the in, in the same way an athlete will go to the gym and be like, I'm gonna do every session, I'm gonna concentrate on this and that. I'm focusing on like, how am I sleeping well? Mm-hmm. You know, how am I recovering well? And I monitor, so yeah, I, we monitor all of our sessions with our Polar apps. We have the, the app on our phone. Yeah. Um, we have the watches to kind of track our sessions and our cardio and our heart rates to kind of check the intensity. So yeah, we, I, I'm always uh, absolutely, uh, you know, I love these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I think they're so valuable to understand your body, and understand how you're recovering yeah. how your 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 body's dealing with the sessions your heart rates your average rates you know and just actually understanding yourself more so mm. that you can then get the most out of your body
0: yeah and so you said that you've working been working and focusing on your sleep over the last year have have you found some tricks to improve that
1: yeah do you know what sleep hygiene is a great is is such a cool thing once you get into it I, so I've I've messed around with uh, the type of mattress, the type of mattress mm-hmm. cover. One huge one for me, and we use this in Tokyo before Tokyo actually in the run up to Tokyo where we were to- we, we did a bit of time changing for mm-hmm. Tokyo pr- before we went out. And so what I love, one thing I really love and I live by is uh, these blue light glasses. All right, and these little glasses I bought on- online. And they basically shield the blue light uh, so that's kind of screen light Mm -hmm. uh, you know like looking at your phones because we're we're, we're like you know we're a civilization now where we get into bed and we fall on our phone for for hours such a a bad habit yeah it's terrible it's terrible but it's so it's so easy to do and even if you're checking an email or something like that apparently like 10 minutes of i'm gonna i'm making this 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 fact up but there's some there's a fact along the lines of Mm. Ten minutes of scrolling it means your body like doesn't shut down like sleep wise for an extra hour or something like that.
2: Mm.
1: It's something quite dramatic like that. And so what I've done is I've been really sort of conscious of blue light. Mm-hmm. So I-, I will turn my phone onto uh, a night mode. You can turn uh-huh. your phone onto where it cuts out, goes a bit more orangey the color. And I'll, I'll put these blue light glasses on, and I'll you know about so for, say for example I, I'm I'm waking up at. 5 30 to go to training
2: mm-hmm.
1: i will i at like 8 p.m like my glasses go on like mm. I, i'm my phone goes on dark mode i'm about i want to be asleep or sleeping by like 9 30 yeah so i'm i'm sort of i'm i'm now transitioning yeah into Preparing sleep. For it. exactly so i have a bath not too hot so i can cool myself down i'll then sit in bed for a bit and i'll just sort of like rest mm-hmm. um I won't go on my phone, I'll kind of just relax for a little bit and I'll kind of wind down in that sense to mm. then go to sleep. Again, with the scrolling thing or watching something on my phone, as long as I've got my blue glasses on and I've got the phone on... On night. On a sort of, on a night mode, mm. I, I don't mind watching something on my phone. Uh, I, I'll try and avoid scrolling because I feel like that kind of creates this repetitive not anxiety but it's sort of a, a kind of a, a wanting more mm. you know like a, i'm scrolling i want to see the next thing i want yep. to see the next thing and it, it kind of
0: uh, almost almost the fear, brain... a fear fo- almost a fomo a fear of missing out on something
1: yeah yeah exactly it kind of puts your brain into a sort of like consumption mode mm. like i'm trying to consume media content visuals whereas and, and that and then they think oh, it's hard to drop that and then go to sleep cause your, <laughs> your brain's like oh i want to i want to see things i want to do i'm stimulated yeah so I, I try and if i'm if i do sit but i watch you know i watch some youtube videos I, I watch something just where i can kind of zone out but mm. have it there yeah and so and so and then i also am very particular about if i have to wake up at a time i i count backwards like i'm getting my eight hours sleep mm-hmm. i used to i used to be one of those people at university whereby i thought oh you know I can do five hours. That's great. Yeah. Like, you, you know, it's, it's kind of this pride that some people have. <laughs> like, oh, I can live on five hours of sleep, and it's like this, like boasting almost. Yep. And I realize, like God, e- yeah, even if you feel okay after five hours, that your body's not okay. Yep. Like you, you know, sleep is so important. And I and I, I I listened to a couple of podcasts and recently, I forget by by who. There's a guy called Matthew something. I forget. Uh, it's it's called Why We Sleep. Mm-hmm god it's it's interesting and you know the the recovery that you get uh, from all the types of sleep the Mm. all the different levels of it the you know rem the light the deep and so for me that it's really it's really important to to get those minimum eight like seven eight hours yeah you know that that for me is the minimum yeah Um, so yeah so i'm really trying to be be on top of that too awesome
0: good job so oliver what recommendations do you have for potential para-athletes or para-athletes who may be interested in getting into wheelchair fencing? You, know, you obviously did a bit of checking out of different things and, and had to do some searching, but do you think that there's, you know, around the world, how would you, how would you go about doing that?
1: Oh, it's a good question. So when I started, it was a, it was a case of I, I Googled fencing clubs mm-hmm. near me and so I just I, I called up every single fencing club I remember, and I said, hey, do you guys do wheelchair fencing? And mm-hmm. like, a lot of them said, no, no, no. But uh, one or two said yes. So then just a the case of me like, okay, cool. Like, uh, can I can I have a session? Um, mm-hmm. Which now I know is called a lesson. So and they say, yeah, sure. And then you book it in and and you go there. And then you can take it from there if you love it, if you enjoy it, great. Book mm-hmm. your next lesson. Yep. If you if you enjoy those perfect, do a bit of sparring, go to a club night. Mm-hmm. If you enjoy that, there. Are, then we have these camps every now and again with British fencing. So, uh, you know, you can then come and get involved with either your federation, wherever you are in the world, or if you're in the UK, then we have these camps. And basically then get in touch with your federation of mm-hmm. Paralympic fence or, or, or para-fencing within your country. Yep. So in the US, for example, it's US para-fencing. Uh, here we have British fencing. In the in Italy, it's it's Federation di scarama Mm-hmm. Um, and so where, where, wherever you are, when you go from that jump from from uh, not doing it to club level, you enjoy it, okay? Well, club to, to national level is, is the next step. Yep. And if you enjoy that, then you can you can start attending some camps and maybe even get selected for a World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'll help you get classified. You can then start buying your equipment, getting your own mask, getting your own glove, your mm-hmm. own sword, stuff like that. But it's it's a step by step process, and uh, I guess it starts with it starts with you you know do do you want to fence well fi- find a find a club mm. find a club find a coach uh, if they've not given wheelchair lessons before that's okay learn together yeah. you've never done it before they've never done it learn together that my coaches originally were were able-bodied fencing coaches mm-hmm. and i said well look, let's just let's just give it a go like yeah. let's let's learn together yeah uh, and we have done which is great and, yeah. and so it's it's just uh you you do i'm a big believer in in sort of taking control of your like if, if it's something you want to do you, you have to go out there and make it happen and it is a niche sport mm-hmm. but it is available to you if you if, if you want it and so uh so yeah I, I'd recommend everyone if it's something that you like the look of mm-hmm. then definitely get in touch give it a go even like I've had a lot of fences that people they message me and they say oh I, I want to get into it how can I do so and then often what I'll do is I'll try and put them in touch with a fencer from their country mm. so that they can then get in touch with them the federation a bit easier because sometimes those things can be hard to find
0: yep and so do most clubs have the equipment that you can just borrow for the period of time that you're trying it out like you don't have to go out and buy a whole lot of equipment just to get started
1: yeah so a lot of clubs will do Uh, not obviously every single club will have the equipment but when i started yeah that you know i started in a chair in a normal Mm. office chair yep um and you know then i went to a club that had a wheelchair i got in touch with my federation who provided me with a wheelchair to fence in and then after i decided you know I, this is something i want to do i uh, i bought my own chair mm. and so it's all a process and yes you don't have to buy your own chair these things are very expensive mm. these sports chairs but if you you know if you uh you start by borrowing a chair if you find a you know i, I i'm gonna be honest not all fencing uh, clubs will have the facilities but hopefully you can find one near you mm. yep because there, there are you know we're increasing the amount of clubs that do have them
0: and when you first started did you feel like a bit of a gumby like you it took you a while to kind of get the rhythm and and to understand the different I guess the different events or was it something that you found pretty naturally you just kind of fell in with
1: I still feel like a gumby <laughs> to be honest with you um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still learning a lot and I, you know I've been doing it now for about six five six years
2: mm-hmm.
1: I still feel like the new guy on the circuit and I you know it's one of those sports whereby I, I don't think you know you're always learning yeah and it's a slow process and every day is a school day yeah. um and you know things I, I've gotten the hang of a lot more recently which is great however mm-hmm i think there's you know when you start anything actually funny enough it's totally the opposite i think when i started i thought i knew everything so i thought <laughs> oh you know there, there's not much to it you just lunge and you go back You hit the other person see you later <laughs> and so I, I i had this like naive confidence which was amazing i didn't know what i didn't know yeah and now i almost i know too much what i don't know right? <laughs> yeah and and thus i know how i don't know anything like, so much, I had to learn and get better at You know, rather than it just being, oh, I'm going to London, I'm going to hit the other person. I'm going to go back and I'm going to make the miss. It's like, how do I go back? What's the distance? What's the timing? What's the technique? You know, how am Mm. I moving? And so if anything, I feel more like, you know, a a Gumby now than I I did when I started.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, it's good that you've always got something to learn. What about recommendations for coaches? You said that your your first coaches had never coached a wheelchair fencer. Obviously, they they were experienced fencing coaches. But you know, what are your yeah. recommendations to them?
1: Yes. Yeah, so one of my my coaches actually uh, didn't has never never coached a uh, a wheelchair fencer before, and and she she's brilliant. I still coach with her. And the other one actually had a little bit of experience with a category B. Uh, his name is mm-hmm. Ben Peggs. I believe you're going to have him on at some point soon and so he'd had a little bit of experience but this is interesting because he'd had experience for a category b not a category mm. a fencer so actually the way in which he coached me was very diff well, well when i started fencing i i fenced like a category b yep. which meant i didn't move very much ah. and so I, I i i got annihilated by a lot of the category A. <laughs> it's only when i i then learned how to use my mobility yeah it's a very different game and so well, the advice that i give you know is and and this was what was great about my my coach uh, my coaches rather is that they they were so willing to learn mm-hmm. and they saw it as a different sport and they didn't come into it say this is how we do it in able so this is how we're going to do it in wheelchair
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know because at the same time they they don't fence in the wheelchair yep and so i i almost became an expert on actually this feels right this movement feels good this distance feels good and they became a, a you know, that they were already masters of the actual games. So mm. it's actually then, how do we, how do we implement, how do we merge, you know, bridge these two, you know, worlds yep. of moving something in a wheelchair, moving in a wheelchair, and fencing, you know, without your legs or fencing, you know, fencing able-bodied, how, which is what they knew. Mm. And how do you come together as a team to actually understand? Okay, this is how we do it. This is, this is what we did in wheelchair. In, sorry, in able-bodied, but yep. that doesn't that doesn't, it doesn't apply work a in a wheelchair this is yeah. How it, yeah yeah this yeah. is this the angles are different the space is different mm-hmm. the technique the tactics are different uh, in wheelchair and so it's, it's that willingness to learn i think is so important and also kind of throwing your your pride and your sort of you know what you thought you knew about fencing is one thing and you still know that but how does it apply to parasport that's mm-hmm. a totally different thing and also acknowledging that you know things will be different yep. and that's not a sort of criticism of oh you don't know wheelchair yeah. it's just how do you translate it to wheelchair yeah and another thing i found was really good is is my, my my coaches would always get in the chair and they would fence me
2: mm.
1: so we'd fence I each need other to
2: experience and they would learn
1: bit. yeah exactly and they did yep. they'd learn ah okay i understand now how to coach you better because mm. i'm getting in the chair with you and i'm fencing you, yeah which is great
0: yeah awesome Wow, Oliver, there's so many things that we could keep talking about, but I know that you have a lesson (laughs) coming up and we need to allow you to get out the door. So I'm going to ask you one last question, which is what's your favourite food?
1: What's my favourite food? Mm. Great question. I love tuna pasta. That's like my thing. Yeah, I absolutely love it. My mum used to cook it all the time. I absolutely love it. I cook it. Absolutely delish. Tuna, great. Pasta, delicious! Absolutely love it. Can't okay. get enough of it. It's great, great, great. While you're having it, great the next day.
0: Absolutely <laughs> love it. Do you prefer a tomato-based sauce or a cheesy, creamy-based sauce? I,
1: I, I always prefer the tomato based I'll tell you. I will give you my recipe really quickly. I I, I fry h- half a shallot, mm-hmm. some jalapenos. This is a bit of a weird one, right? Oh, it's like, got a bit God, of spice. It? It, like. More- Yeah, she does it more. My mum does it more traditional with like the kind of tomatoey sauce. I do a bit more off-piste. So half a shallot, chopped, fried, jalapenos, some dried red pepper flakes, not Mm. the spicy ones, the the bell pepper. Uh, Chuck some of those in. Fry the tuna then with it. Then a little bit of, I use barilla tomato pesto, right? Mm. Really nice, quite creamy. Chuck that in with the tuna, mix it up, throw the pasta in. So delicious. So delicious.
0: (laughs) You sound you sound very much like Jamie Oliver just then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Great, that's that's a compliment for me. I'll take it.
0: <laughs> okay, last question: Do you put cheese on top or not? No,
1: I know ne- I I I I don't. I never usually mix cheese with uh, fish. Uh-huh. To be honest,
2: mm. I, I
1: don't know why. I just my mum always used to say, but I'll put cheese on top of like a or bolognese, a bolognese or something yep. like that. Yep. But but not a not not this trust me it doesn't need cheese
0: <laughs>
1: awesome
0: well thank you so much for your time oliver and for your generosity of all of your experience um, even for someone who's only been doing the sport for five or six years you've still got a lot of experience yeah, no so really appreciate the time and you energy <laughs> and we'll look great. forward thank
1: to you. yeah it's been great fun
0: yeah look forward to seeing your results to come as you stop being a gumpy.
1: Ah, thank you so much one day maybe Uh, and yeah take care and thank you so much for having me it's been a blast
0: oliver has some great messages about finding what works best for you and your body both in terms of the nutrition space but also looking at all the things that can benefit recovery including your sleep and trying to change practices so that it serves you better to support the training that you're doing I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any feedback, please leave it on our website. And if you have anyone you'd like to hear from, please let us know. I hope you'll join us next time when we talk to David Wagner, who is a quad tennis player for Team USA.